0: Welcome to the Pursuing Life Podcast. I'm your host, Monica Kirsch. Each week, I'll be sitting down with people from the Calvary Church family to hear stories of what God is doing in, around, and through them as they take intentional steps to pursue life in Jesus Christ. We believe that storytelling is powerful. God has made himself known to us through the stories of the Bible. Jesus told parables, or small stories, to teach kingdom lessons to his followers. And God continues to write stories of his goodness and faithfulness through the lives and experiences of his church, ordinary people just like you and me. Today, we're continuing in our series called Conversations with God, where we'll be hearing stories about the various ways that prayer has impacted people in their pursuit of life in Christ. Prayer looks different for all of us because life in Christ involves relationship with Christ and every relationship is unique. As you listen to these episodes, I hope that you're both encouraged by the stories that you hear and also inspired as you consider your own prayer relationship with Jesus. Today, I'm joined by Debbie and John Roche who've been attending Calvary for about 12 years adoption is a thread that's woven all throughout their story and god has been faithful to answer their prayers as he's impressed upon their hearts a burden to care for orphans and widows today they're sharing just part of their story with us and i really think you're going to be just blown away by the ways that god has shown up and put his glory on display time and time again so i hope you enjoy today's conversation with debbie and john roche Well, Devin, John, thank you so much for taking time to join us today on Pursuing Life. So glad that you're here. Why don't you just take a moment uh, individually to just kind of introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about how long you've been at Calvary? Um, Did you grow up in Lancaster? How long have you been in the area? I'm Debbie and... um Grew up in Pittsburgh, actually. Uh, Moved to this area
1: about 27 years ago, so I feel like this is home for sure, Mm -hmm. even though I still love Pittsburgh. (laughs) But this is a great place. Lancaster is a great place to raise a family. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I was raised mostly in Lancaster. I went to MAM Township and went to Penn State. Yeah, we've been attending Calvary since 2009.
0: Yeah, and are you involved in different areas of ministry where, I know we talked a little bit about where you're serving now before we started recording, but tell us a little bit about where you've served and where you are now. Okay, Uh,
1: I taught here in Calvary, Sunday school. I did um, preschool for many years, then I did kindergarten, then I became a kindergarten coordinator, and now John and I are doing premarital mentoring together, so that's fun.
0: That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I've helped out in the children's classes just as an aid to help through the years.
0: Yeah. So tag team in it. Right. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. In fact, when when
1: I taught preschool, our whole family was involved. Okay. So Josiah was a student. He's our youngest. And I was the teacher. And John was a helper. And our daughter, Jalen, and our son, Luke, were helpers. So like our whole family did it. It was really fun.
0: That's awesome. Um, Yeah. I love that. And so you have three kids. Can you tell us about them? We do. Yeah. We have three children, all adopted from China.
1: Mm -hmm. And um, our oldest is Jalen. She is 22. And she is a beautiful young woman who loves the Lord very much. Mm -hmm. And we just love her to death. She's a social worker. Okay. And she works with refugees, helping to place them in Lancaster County. Uh, And then our son, Luke, he is 20. Okay. And he is an international studies major at Cedarville University. Okay. And he is an amazing young man. He has a very strong conviction um, in his heart for those who have been trafficked. Mm. And so his goal is to eventually either become a full-time missionary or work for an agency that helps to free people that are being trafficked, both in the United States and around the world. So those are his goals. Um, Josiah is our youngest. He'll be 15 next month. He's a ninth grader. And um, we have a lot to say about him, but mm-hmm. our journey to Josiah we will talk about in a bit.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yes, definitely. They sound wonderful.
1: They are. They are all. <laughs> they are all amazing. We're very, very blessed. Yeah.
0: Yes. So all three of them are adopted. Let's start there. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey of how did you decide that that was the path you wanted to take for your family? I decided very young. I was fifteen. Okay. And uh, our pastor
1: at the time. And his wife adopted from Asia. Mm-hmm. And the Lord immediately just, when I met their daughter, he just put on my heart, like, you need to help orphans. Our pastor shared with us that there were, at that time, and this is quite a while ago, over 4 million orphans in China alone. Wow. And I was burdened by that. Mm-hmm. And at 15, I, I told my parents, you know, I'm adopting. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to adopt. Of course, at 15, you know, they may, may have believed it, may have not. But um, the Lord kept that with me over the years, I never let go of it. And when John and I married, you know, we had not gotten pregnant for five years. Hmm. And I just remember praying, Lord, you put this on my heart to adopt. Is this, you know, why we are not becoming pregnant and could you sh- could you give us a sign could you show us for sure if this is the route that you want us to pursue and so we decided to do the the testing you know we went to Hershey Medical Center and they said there is absolutely no reason why you know you are not getting pregnant and i think within a week we were at the adoption agency wow <laughs> talking about adoption so yeah i just that was the confirmation, you know, this is the road Mm -hmm. that we are to take.
0: Yeah. Wow. And so John, had you had similar convictions or how did you feel about that whole process and what was your initial reaction to the thought of adoption?
2: Yeah. So no, that was not uh, what the Lord had laid on my heart initially. It was kind of a surprise that she felt that way. We didn't talk about this before we got married, but
1: People Um, joke about that. (laughs) We didn't talk about that. (laughs) But, uh,
2: you know, as as we prayed through it as a couple and and as I moved forward, the Lord just confirmed in many ways that this was the right path. And ever since doing it, I've never turned back and, you know, think think I did the wrong thing. So, right. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. So, Jalen was the first that you adopted? Yes. Okay. Yes. And was the process different for each of your children? Yes. So talk to me a little bit about that. When you finally took that first step, you said a week after that appointment at Hershey, you ended up at the adoption agency. What was that like? What kind of conversations were you having at that time?
1: Well, I think that first visit really worked to confirm in John's heart as well that this is what he wanted because there was a a woman there who had just gotten back from China and Mm -hmm. she had her little daughter with her. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, it was a woman that, John knew. Uh, oh my goodness. Through his, through his family, his dad worked with this woman. Mm-hmm. So that was amazing. And then John just, I think, fell in love with his, her little girl <laughs> immediately. So yeah, but the first, first adoption was, took about 16 months. Okay. I suppose. Yeah. And then John decided that he really wanted to have a boy. Okay. And so we were doing the process again and I don't know. I never saw myself as a boy mom. Okay. I was always the type that played with dolls and you know, never went outside and played. That just I just wasn't me. Played house all the time and but he said he really wanted a boy and I just prayed about it and prayed about it, you know, mm-hmm. that the Lord would change my heart. And sure enough, he did and I wanted a boy more than anything. Mm-hmm. Like it just totally changed my heart. Mm-hmm. And um, our adoption agency said, "Well, We've placed six thousand girls. It might be harder to get a boy. Are you willing to wait? Mm-hmm. And we said, Absolutely. You know, however long it takes, mm-hmm. we're willing to wait. And she, she's like, Well, it could be years. Wow. I'm like, that's okay. We really want a boy. Yeah. And what? I think it took two months longer than Jalen.
0: Wow. So you really didn't have to wait that long. Yeah. <laughs> Eighteen months. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that was that was pretty cool. And then there was well before we get into the journey of Josiah yeah I'll let John share a little bit another journey that the Lord took us on before the journey to Josiah mm-hmm. that was pretty pretty remarkable
0: yeah tell me more
2: yeah so it was after adopting Luke our second that we still didn't feel like we were doing enough for orphans we just mm-hmm. one of the the scriptures that we as a couple really held on to was James one twenty seven, talking about caring for orphans and widows I and mean, that I, you know the true religion is caring for orphans and widows and and it was really on our heart but we just felt even adopting just wasn't enough we thought that was where it was at but we adopted too and we felt
1: there were still more yeah I was actually um, speaking I worked for Bethany Christian Services okay and I would go to churches and speak and promote adoption Wow, but again, still, we it's felt like there's got to be something more yeah. we can do. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So as we prayed through it, we just felt, you know, maybe, you know, we're looking at how we can do more for orphans. Through the process, we heard about a, a Christian orphanage in China that was took uh, special needs children. Okay. Got them surgeries. They had a hospital there. They had a school. Wow. They took them out of the state run orphanages in China, taught them the gospel. You know, it was just really doing a lot of good things. So we felt, you know, if we could support this, this, this would be it. But how can we, you know? And we thought, you know, if we got rid of our mortgage, mm-hmm. that's the only debt we had left, maybe we could support this agency. And uh, so we, we went on that journey. And it was hard because all our friends were saying, you're crazy. You, you can have a mortgage. It's no problem. That's, that's normal.
1: Mm-hmm. Even um, our pastor at the time. Yeah. Wow. He said, you know, God doesn't expect you to, like, be completely debt-free. Everybody has a mortgage, you know. And we were just getting a lot of pushback on the whole idea mm. of going from, you know, a very nice home to what we could afford for yeah. cash. <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: Yeah. So it was a difficult process. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we're between what everybody was telling us and it was hard, you know, to go from one standard to another. And along the way, we, we got sidetracked.
0: Okay.
1: Satan um, dangled a carrot. That's, <laughs> what, I, that's what I say. And it was a little like Adam and Eve because he dangled it in front of me first. Oh, no. <laughs> John was at a meeting one night, and I was on the Internet searching homes, trying to find something we could buy for cash. And, of course, this my dream home came up. Yeah. And not that it was more. It would actually be a lateral move. So okay. we wouldn't be spending more, but still we're not doing what the Lord wants us to do. Right. So. <laughs> so we 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 went. Well, I told John about it when he got home, and we're like, yeah, you know, it can't hurt to just look. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) That's how it always starts. It hurts (laughs) to look. It hurts to look. It's like going to look at a puppy. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yep. Um, So we went, and we fell in love so fast. Like, we had just looked at the first floor of the house, Mm -hmm. and we told the realtor we would buy it. Like, of course, we eventually went upstairs, but we were were sold. Wow. First floor, you know. Beautiful home in the woods. Three and a half acres. Just gorgeous, Mm. you know.
0: And so we... We did it. We
1: yeah.
0: We bought it. And then what happened? <laughs> How did that work out? Yeah. Well,
2: the Lord Lord stayed on us and sent the plagues to, oh, no. to, to kind of tell us that this is not where He wants us. So right off the bat, we read red water out of nowhere, uh, and it was very unusual because the the guy that sold us the house was a builder. It was his home, mm-hmm. and they lived there five years or whatever. And I talked to him. He said. I never had any of those problems. Lovely Christian
1: couple, so, you know, we believed them. It wasn't like they were, you know, trying to pull something over on us. But, yeah, you know, know, we think about the plagues and the Nile and the blood-red water (laughs) and uh, lost a lot of laundry. I bet. Lost a lot of laundry. I still have pictures of my two little kids in the bathtub with red water. Wow. And this went on for a long time, didn't it?
0: It, it,
2: we, We got a specialist involved, and it took, like, Six months and about $30,000 later.
0: Oh, my word. We had
2: this miniature treatment plant in our basement that took a lot of maintenance, a lot of work. Yeah, it was. That's insane.
1: (laughs) Yeah, in fact, it was so unusual. They said, you know, we're going to put your story in one of our publications because we've never had a situation like this, you know. Wow. And there were other, I mean, we'd be here a while if we told you everything, but there were other things that it, it was so evident it was from clear. the get-go. Yeah,
2: the Lord did not want us there. No. And, and we, you know, we were, we were there for about a year, and we were like, okay, Lord, we, you know, we... <laughs> we, we get the idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we, we uh, said, okay, whatever it's going to take, we're ready now. Mm-hmm. And um, so he... Contacted our realtor right away and he said, You know, guys, you guys just bought this house. It's in the higher price range. This market's getting soft in that price range. You're not going to mm-hmm. be able to sell it. It's going to take a while. You're going to lose some money.
1: Middle of the woods, steep driveway. He was, he was like, All these reasons yeah. why, you <laughs> know, it was not the a good idea. The water system that we the had. Water system.
2: All these things. That I said, Well, whatever it's going to take, this is what we're going to go.
1: Yeah. And
2: um, Lord ended up selling it within a week. We made money on the on the property um, within a year, and
1: God's grace he
2: provided. Yeah, he was very gracious <laughs> for sure,
1: even when we mess up. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, so we ended up and ended up finding a, a place.
1: Mm-hmm. We, yep. Found a place we could afford for cash. Yep. In the town of Lidditz. Hmm. And loved it there. It was like amazing. Like when we first moved in, I was a little nervous because. There's a lot of nice parts of Lititz. This right. was like on the other side of the tracks, if you will. And we had a lot of interesting neighbors doing drug deals and police were pulling up all the time. Oh,
0: my goodness.
1: <laughs> oh, that was a regular occurrence, hauling people off. But it was cool because the Lord really gave us a ministry there as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: And we ended up loving. Our kids love, love living there. It was a really great experience. And it also gave us an opportunity to help widows, which is part of you know what we as a as a couple, as a family, we really believe that that is our goal, our objective. that's what the Lord has shown us to do yeah the james one twenty seven and we have some really cool stories. That's another podcast um, <laughs> of how the Lord enabled us to help widows, single moms, yeah um, divorced women with children and wow. and so that was really cool too. so that was that was great yeah. living there,
0: yeah, so then you finally were able to become debt free absolutely not have a mortgage anymore how did that then open up other doors for you as far as your heart for adoption
2: yeah we initially thought getting out of a mortgage we'd use that money towards helping this orphanage in China and but the lord took us on another detour and and so the day of the closing of this new house that we were getting out of debt that morning my boss called me in I was the vice president of a, an engineering firm okay and he explained, he doesn't need me anymore. He, he's selling his business to another larger firm. They don't need a vice president. I was gone in two weeks. Yes, it, I bet. So it was kind of good and bad news. I mean, we, we didn't have a mortgage, so right. we had money in the bank. So it was right. a good position, good timing, but still a very su- surprise to me.
1: Right. Um, I went to pick him up at work to take him to the closing and the first thing he told me was, I don't have a job. <laughs> oh my um, and my first thought was, and I know this was from the Lord, you know, you've always talked about starting your own business. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is the time. Mm-hmm. So because the, the people we were buying this house from in Lidditz, mm-hmm. he had a business there. Okay. Because we have a carriage house behind our house Mm -hmm. and he had like a whole business there and he was closing his business so I said you know hey you know we have that whole carriage house we can use for your business even though my initial plans were to use it for homeschooling it was going to be a (laughs) great homeschool but (laughs) so we got to the closing and the couple said in the middle of the closing they said you know we really have a lot of like equipment and desks and phones and printers and things like that we really don't feel like moving them all because we're closing the business. How would you guys feel like if we left all that? I said, well, that would be really perfect because on the way here, we decided to start our own business.
0: <laughs> <laughs> on the way there. On the way there.
1: Yeah. We just decided. So the Lord provided again.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and I think he he knew me, so I'm I'm an engineer, so I'm very, you know, risk averse so yeah. I don't like to take risks but right. I don't have a choice. Right. This is right before me and yeah. yeah. And he from day one he gave me more business than I could handle. Oh my goodness. In just a few months I had eight, ten employees and
1: wow. we never advertised. Worked. Yeah.
0: We've never advertised in fourteen years. Wow. The Lord just keeps providing. Yep. Yes. It's incredible.
2: Yeah. So what what that went into was then we started using, we started a, a company called Vision Engineering. The vision was for meeting orphans and widows' needs. and wow. um, So we were using the profits of the business to help both uh, Philip Hayden Foundation, which was the organization in China, mm-hmm. and even just couples around us that were couples that maybe wanted to adopt and have funds, that kind of thing. So yeah. we really... Used something that we had no idea right. where that went, and right. the Lord provided way more than we ever thought.
0: Yeah, so it started with one prayer of, Lord, we really feel like adoption is something that you've put on our hearts. How can we do more? And ended up on this whole journey that led you to an unexpected place of starting your own business that could support that. Yep. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. So at this point. Did you know that you were going to be adopting a third, or did that come afterwards? No,
1: we we knew we were adopting a third, and I had always wanted to adopt a special needs child as well. Okay. John had real concerns about that, and understandably so, because I have a lot of medical problems myself. Okay. Okay. And so he was like, I don't know that that's the best idea. You know, I think two's probably enough. And I think, you know, special needs might just be more than you can handle. Right. So I said, well, what if we just go like minor special needs? Mm -hmm. You know, cleft lip, something like that. Mm -hmm. And he was like, okay, you know, we could probably do that. So the agency sent us literally, it was this 10 page document with like every special medical need you could imagine on it. Mm -hmm. And we just sat there for hours going through, okay, can we handle this? Can we, you know, And you check off what you're able to handle. That sounds daunting. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Cause a lot of the diseases, I mean, we're like, what is that? Right. Looking them up. Oh, okay. Um, so we did that and, um, we told them that we were looking for a child no older than 16 months. Okay. And these are the needs that we are willing to um, accept. Mm -hmm. So China was really slow at that point. So like we had already waited three years, Mm -hmm. much longer than the other two. And usually special needs, you actually get quicker. So this was unusual, but we were waiting three years. So at this point, you would have thought that we would have gladly accepted cleft lip, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Three years wait, and that's kind of what we were looking for. We received a phone call from our social worker, and she said, I got news. We have five little boys in the age range that you want with cleft lip. Hmm. They will be able to be matched tomorrow. Okay. I said, okay. Hung up with her. I went to John's office and told him about it. I said, I just don't think one of these is the one. It was just something that I felt the Lord was saying, "No, this mm-hmm. isn't. This isn't the one." Mm-hmm. So we talked about it and agreed. This we weren't going to do this, you know. But then there's always that, "What if?" Right? You know, "What if?" So of course we prayed about it, mm-hmm. and the next day the social worker called and she said, "I can't explain what has happened. This has never happened before." And we will hear this again in our story. (laughs) This was a common thing, very common statement. This has never happened before. I can't explain it. She said, those five boys, they don't exist anymore. Oh, my goodness. They were just gone. Yeah. Gone from the system. And I was just so relieved, and I just felt like that was an answer from the Lord. Okay, that wasn't our our son Mm -hmm. in that group. Mm -hmm. And several weeks later... We got another call. Mm -hmm. And our social worker said, can't really explain this. I'm not sure why this has happened, um, but somehow you were matched, like one of the matches that came up for you is this one child, and I even debated, like, if I should even bring it up to you, but I decided just to throw it out there. I said, yeah, sure, you know, what do you have? And she said, well, he's a lot older. He's two. And actually his needs are, quite serious. He was born with half of a heart. So he has one ventricle. And it it didn't scare me at all. It didn't, I didn't feel like, no way, there's no way we're doing this. I can't explain it. I just felt this peace like, yes. And I'm tearing up thinking about it. But it was like, this is our son. Mm. And um, she said, I'll I'll send medical reports from Beijing Hospital. And John and I
2: discussed it. And we talked about it, prayed about it. She said, I'll give you the weekend to to think about this. And we actually had to forward this to a a local cardiologist just so we could understand what the reports meant. Right. Because we had no idea. Yeah. Um, so they all had to be well,
1: translated first.
2: Right. Wow. And the, and the cardiologist. And we we've been praying the whole time. Cardiologist came back and told us, um, "Do not adopt this child. This child may not even make it back. This right. child should have had surgeries two years ago. It's, yeah. it's been a stress on his system. He's not going to
1: his lungs. He's very
2: you know yeah. healthy. So we we just we struggled because we prayed and prayed all weekend long and. We still couldn't say no despite what the cardiologist was telling us
1: right and i'll never forget so we actually had we sent his records to both chop and philly as well as hershey mm-hmm. and they both said the same thing
0: oh my goodness and the
1: one cardiologist in particular said this child will bring complete devastation to your lives mm. and i'll never forget that i guess he had gone too long without having any type of you know surgeries or anything at that point he had pulmonary hypertension too and oh my
0: gosh yeah
2: so but then um we we still couldn't you know we we felt if this was the one the lord had chosen for us whether he lives a day or 10 years or 20 years that's it's all in the lord's hands right and um we we just still didn't we had a peace, but we still didn't know what to what our answer was going to be.
1: Right. I, I often say we were like Peter, you know, stepping out of the boat. Mm-hmm. Like at first, when we were first told about him, I just had this tremendous peace, right? Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that he was older, despite the fact that this was a very serious special need, mm-hmm. I was just washed in this peace. Like Peter, when he first stepped out on the water. And then we hear all this negative, you know, from these right. doctors. And it was like we started to sink, Mm. And our faith started to shake, and it was like, oh, I don't know.
0: Mm. Just don't
1: know if we could do this. But yet we hated to make the decision because it was like this, this child's life is in the balance. Right. Like, what do we do? So we decided not to do anything. We decided, well, we prayed, but we decided we weren't going to decide. Mm. We decided that the Lord was going to decide, and we had no idea what that looked like. Right. But we were like when the social worker calls, we're not gonna have an answer. Mm. And uh, (laughs) Monday morning, social worker called, and I pick up the phone, and I see it's her, and I'm like, oh gosh, we don't have an answer. Um, She also is a believer, by the way, our social worker. Okay. And she is crying on the phone.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: And she said, I am so sorry. This has never happened before. Again. Again. Somehow, I I cannot explain it. She said, I'm sitting here at my desk. I'm looking at your paperwork that you need to sign off of to lock in this child. You haven't signed. I haven't sent it. She said, I came in this morning. There was an email from the China Center for Adoption Affairs and it said they have your signed paperwork and you are locked into this child. I am so sorry. Unbelievable. I was like, I started crying and I'm like, oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> You're like, God showed up. <laughs> he did. He did. Wow. But the amazing thing is, you know, I just I think about the faith of believers and I that I've told this story to, and many of them, and it's it's discouraging to me because I really believe that God is still in the miracle business, mm-hmm. and yet so often I will tell this story, and people will say, "Well, that doesn't make sense. How how could that happen? If she had the paperwork on her desk, like even believers, it's like, no, no, no. It's a miracle. Yeah, you know. Yeah, He still is doing miracles.
0: Yeah, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still one who works miracles.
1: That's right. That's wow. right. So we were locked in and we wanted to be locked in because we really felt like that's what the Lord had for us. And we decided that I actually had a list of 25 boys names. Okay. That I had narrowed it down to. (laughs) And uh, I decided I was going to go over to the computer and type them in and see what they meant. Yeah. So the first name on my list was Josiah. So I'm like, okay, type in Josiah healed by God. Wow. I didn't type in the rest. Didn't even consider the other 24. Yeah. That was it. That was it. So we went to China. We took our other two kids along. That's wonderful. I thought that would be cool. Yeah. 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 And um, we got to the orphanage. And when they handed him to us, they handed us this little plastic bag. And it had some things in it. Mm -hmm. And one of the things in it was this little photo album was a picture of a family. And it said, so his Chinese name is Mao Xicheng. Mm-hmm. And it said, Mao Xicheng, we cannot wait to be with you. I showed it to John. And as we're looking at this, the orphanage director comes over and rips it out of our hands. Oh, my. And we're like, okay, what? what what's going on here? You know? So we talked to our facilitator, and she kind of just brushed it under the carpet. You know, oh, no, no, I don't know. It's, it's fine. After a couple of days in China, I said to John, we have got to get to the bottom of this. Something's, something's going on here. Yeah. And so we really pressed our facilitator. And she said, this has never happened before. <sighs> um, and because it's never happened before, we were hesitant to say anything. However, apparently... Your son was double-matched, and so he was matched with both families at the same time, but when they realized the mistake, they said, we have to look and see whose signed paperwork got here first. And it was ours, even though we never signed
0: it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Unbelievable. Unbelievable.
1: So Josiah was meant to be with us, not that other family. Wow. So that was, that, was, that was really cool and exciting. And I remember saying to John, though, just to backtrack a bit, I, I remember saying to him when we decided we were going to adopt Josiah, I said, well, he needs to be seen by a cardiologist as soon as we get home. Right. Like we had him literally, we came home, and the next morning he was being seen. Mm-hmm. And I said to John, who are we going to use? And he said, we're going to use the one that said he'll bring complete devastation to our lives.
0: Wow. Why did you say that? Why was that your first reaction? And John is tearing up now.
2: <laughs> I just, yeah, I just felt we, the Lord could use that to show her that he won't bring devastation to us.
1: And indeed, it did show her. And she has worked with a lot of couples who have adopted. hmm and she said, I will never again say Because she saw you know, what had happened and how the Lord had worked. And what's really cool is she opened a new practice several years later. I think Josiah was eight, maybe. Um, and she asked me. This is a, an Indian woman okay. who does not believe in God. She asked me to come to her office and to pray with her and her employees for their new office. And so we went, Josiah put on his suit. He was very into suits at that time. Oh he wanted to be gosh. very dressed up because he and this doctor got to be very close. How sweet. He had a suit on and he had a little stethoscope around his neck that he was given in the hospital after one of his surgeries. One of the nurses just loved him and she gave him his steth- the stethoscope. So he's wearing his suit. He's got the stethoscope around his neck and he's carrying a bouquet of flowers.
0: Oh my goodness. For this cardiologist. Oh how precious. she
1: she just adored him. But we went in and the two of us we were standing in a circle with all of her employees, we were all holding hands and we prayed. Wow. For her new practice. Wow. So that's been really cool too. Like yeah, I didn't want to use that cardiologist, obviously, but John thought we should.
0: Yeah. And to see the puzzle pieces kind of put yes. together and the way that the Lord has woven his grace and goodness through josiah's story Mm. is unbelievable
1: yes and uh josiah has a deep love for god and he's he was very very spiritually deep Mm. at a very young age
0: Mm -hmm.
1: at four years old we were driving in the car and he was back in his car seat and he said you know mom I is like this story, this piece of paper that this story is written on. And he said, you know, God, he's like the pencil. But, you know, Satan, he's the eraser. Wow. At four years old. And he is just deeply, deeply spiritual. Mm -hmm. And he, his plans are to either be a doctor. Mm Mm-hmm because of everything he's been through. Although recently he's been thinking about being a different kind of heart doctor. He's been thinking about being a pastor. Wow. And what's really cool is he was baptized this summer. hmm And um, after he gave his testimony, a woman who we had never seen before came up to him and said, you are going to be a pastor. Wow. And that really, that really hit him, I think. Mm. And so he's been very focused. He feels like, you know, that was a sign from the Lord. So
0: wow.
1: he's thinking maybe more along those lines. We'll see. We'll see. But what I think is cool is that, you know, he didn't bring complete devastation. And he, the Lord is going to use him in big and mighty ways. And I know already has. I've talked to many people whose lives that Josiah has affected just because of he's Josiah, he's mm. special. And it's just really neat. How, you know, Satan would have had us say no. Right. Right. But God had other plans.
0: Yeah. As I'm listening to your story, I'm hearing, you know, God showed up over and over and over again for both of you in very big and obvious ways as you prayed for his guidance. And... Sometimes he doesn't show up in very big or obvious ways. So I'm just wondering for those who are listening who are saying, I've not experienced that. I, I don't I don't know what that's like. What would you say to them about, you know, continuing to pray big and 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 how to sort of navigate through that thought process?
1: Well, for one thing, I feel like like Hebrews four sixteen says to come boldly. Mm-hmm before the throne of God. And I think if we come boldly, he's not always gonna ask us to do big things like, you know, get rid of our mortgage and buy a um, a house that we can afford for cash and and start a business and adopt a special needs child and all this stuff. Oftentimes there are small things that we don't even see Mm. that he's working, he's using us in little ways that will be a change for eternity. Mm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, it's not always mm-hmm. the big things. Although I, I do encourage people to pray boldly because I think a lot of times Christians, especially in this country, we've really gotten used to comfort. Mm-hmm. And what I've learned is that comfort is way overrated.
0: Wow. Well, can you explain that a little bit more?
1: Yeah, because when you step out in faith, and pray these bold prayers and say, like Isaiah, here I am, Mm -hmm. send me, do what you want with me. It's exciting. You have the thrill of seeing God work and be used for his purposes, to be part of what he's doing, you know? And that's exciting. That is really a thrilling thing. It is. And, And I mean, the Christian life never meant to be a, a life of comfort. It just wasn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look at Jesus himself. Look at his life. Mm-hmm. You know, did he live a comfortable life? Not really. <laughs> no, <laughs> not really. So, and it, comfort's boring, you know? It's true. It really is. Yeah. Just, just, you know, I would challenge people just to pray bold prayers and not be afraid and have faith. And I would challenge them. There's this, I just love this prayer that Sir Francis Drake prayed he says, disturb us, Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we dreamed too little, when we arrived safely because we sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly to venture on wider seas where storms will show your mastery, where losing sight of land, we shall find the stars.
0: Yeah. that is beautiful. John, anything that you would add to that?
2: Yeah, so I would say that I think prayer is essential in our walk of faith. The faith, as Hebrews tells us, is our conviction of things not seen. Mm-hmm. And since we're a lot of times dealing with unseen things,
1: right?
2: we need prayer. We need that connection to God because he sees all things, he knows all things. And, and that's when our convictions are strengthened you know, and confirmed, and we're able to continue in those convictions when things get tough, or when you know the world is telling us, "Don't do that. Yeah. That's crazy."
0: Yeah,
2: um, we need that connection to God. We need we need the prayer. We need those times with Him that that really goes beyond what we can see. You mm-hmm. know, because a lot of a lot of the things that we've experienced in our uh, lives are. Th- the, the more important things are the things that are not seen. And, and, and there's a faith that, that saves us and that's essential and important. But there's a faith that continues beyond that and, and you know, it grows us yeah. um, closer to him. And that's the faith that we experience through prayer and through stepping out in faith.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 What would you say is a good place to start? For somebody who says, you know, I don't feel like I have had the courage to pray prayers as bold as I would like to. What's a good stepping stone for them?
1: I feel like, too, like the closer you get, the more intimate relationship you develop with the Lord. Sure. The more time you spend with him and and not just... Always talking, but listening mm-hmm. because I think often in our prayer time, we just you know run through the list mm-hmm. of the things that you know we want him to help us with, and then amen, and we go to the next right. thing, right, but just to sit quietly and listen mm-hmm. for what the Lord might want to tell you, mm-hmm. you know, I think it is, is big, yeah it is important,
0: yeah, so maybe if we don't know what to say, yeah. just sit and allow ourselves to be in silence and not distracted by all the yeah. different things that are vying for our attention.
1: And I know that's hard. It's very hard. Very hard today. Yeah. To do that.
0: Yeah. Definitely. The closer we
1: get to him, the more we'll hear his voice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's great advice. Thank you for that. hmm Well, thank you guys for being willing to share your story. I am encouraged by the ways that God has continued to provide for your family, and it encourages me that, as you said, He is still in the business of doing miracles, and He is still answering and showing up and providing, and that is an encouragement for me personally, so thank you. Um, The last question I want to ask you is, Why is prayer important to pursuing life in Christ?
1: Oh my, I mean, how can we live without it? I mean, my goodness. This is uh, not an easy world that we live in. Mm -hmm. And how can we do anything if we're not connected to God on not just a daily basis, but throughout the day, every moment, I mean, I know even for myself with my medical issues, you know, Mm -hmm. I have pain all the time. So like, how would I even navigate day to day if I couldn't constantly talk to him, Mm -hmm. you know, just to get through each and every moment. But he's just, I constantly talk to him all day long to pursue Christ is to be in an intimate relationship with him, you know, Mm -hmm. and for him to be your best friend. And I don't know, like... How could you even have a best friend? Think about your friends you have now, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you never talk to them, hardly ever, or just occasionally maybe you called them when you needed something. Yeah, that doesn't develop the type of relationship that we really need to have fruitful lives, right as Christians right
2: yeah, And I, I think you know prayer helps us to live out. The faith that we have, the, the faith that Habakkuk and, and Romans and Galatians and Hebrews all tell us that the just shall live by faith. Mm. So how can we live by faith without connecting to God and, and abiding in him and you know, yeah, it's just part of faith yeah. it is connecting with God. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Well thank you both for, like I said, taking the time to do this. Really appreciate you sharing your story and allowing God to be glorified through your lives. Thank okay. okay, you, I
1: sure. appreciate the opportunity.
0: I'm so incredibly grateful for Debbie and John's willingness to share their story and for the reminder that God is still working still providing, he's still in the business of working miracles, and he listens and cares about both the big things and the small details of our lives. I hope you continue to be encouraged and inspired as you listen to the different ways that prayer and conversation and connection with God have impacted different people as they pursue life in Christ. Don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss any upcoming episodes and consider sharing our podcast with those in your life who you think could also be encouraged by the work that God is doing right now. We'll meet you back here next Monday as we're joined by Valerie Stoltzfus, but until then, have a great week.